coming to you from our new home at DynastyLeagueFootball.com and a DLF family of podcasts. We are the Superflex Super Show. We talk QB values, Superflex strategies, evaluate and debate Superflex trades, plus our own twist on Superflex team management with exercises like Tinderflex, Super 6, and You Are Nuts. So when you're done with this awesome DLF podcast, find us on Twitter at Superflex Show and join us in the discussion of the fastest growing format in all of fantasy football, Superflex, on the Superflex Super Show. Hello and welcome back to the Dynasty Crossroads. My name is Peter Howard at PA Howdy on Twitter. This is a member of the DLF family of podcasts. So... Continuing our run-up to draft week, um, I'm still looking forward to what we can expect from a draft class in general. Also, I recently dropped in on Reddit in that I've never I've, I've never really used it. And I found out that there are still some old tropes uh, out there be, being peddled as takes. So I thought maybe we'd delve into an oldie but a goodie. In fact, my favorite, which is why undrafted free agents matter. If Amamara St. Brown is a quote-unquote outlier, if we can possibly expect our late-round picks to ever hit in Dynasty, and if they're drafted outside the third round, stuff like that, hope you enjoy it. Let me know if you do, and let's get into it. Do you have the time to listen to me grind? Take down the film watchers and learn some at once. I am one of those skeptical of status quo. Lazy and to the bone, no doubt about it. Sometimes I grind my Excel sheets. Sometimes pour cold water on heat. When the mask not adding up, you said I'm checking out. I'm Welcome to the crowd. Yeah, so uh, actually just relying on something I know pretty well already, uh, although I've learned and continue to try and learn more about everything I think I know, including making sure it's still true. Um, it's mostly because this weekend was really busy for me. I'm exhausted. It's already too late, as usual, when I try and record the crossroads. But I'm going back to something I know pretty well. One, because it's fairly relevant, and because it recently came up on uh, something I saw on Reddit. But also because it's, it's a time saver for me. I didn't get to do a lot of research that I haven't talked about uh, a lot in the crossroads um, previously. So we're going back to one I haven't mentioned in a while. Because honestly, I thought... I thought it was pretty well understood, but you know, you forget when you're only looking at your own small bubble what's going on. Um, so, Amon Ross St. Brown, fourth round pick who showed out pretty well in his first year, is already leading to comments of don't expect those later round players or your late round gems to shine a lot, which is true. Look, um, about 70% of seasons that are actually fantasy relevant just looking at positional rankings here, actually come from players that are drafted round 1 to 3. 73% overall, 82% of quarterbacks who ever have a top 12 season and uh, come from the first round. 
um, for example, or at least the first three rounds. 71% come from the first round alone, and that's looking back all the way from 2009 till now of draft classes. 67% of running backs come from the first three rounds on average since 2009. 74% of wide receivers come from the first three rounds, or even more than running backs, which is one of the things we can learn from actually looking instead of using a recent example to therefore exaggerate an obvious trend as if it has causation, but whatever. 72% of tight ends that have fantasy relevant seasons. Again, with tight end and quarterback, I'm using simple top 12 season finishes, so not even the most relevant or the relevant um, players since 2009 to 2020 um, come from the first three rounds. And it, it escalates. From the first round, you get the most players. From the second round, you get the second most. It's actually fairly consistent. But again, it doesn't have causation. I like to explain a lot of it, those trends as one, the millions of dollars that teams spend scouting, plus, you know, the experts are actually good at deciding who is good and bad at football before they draft and stuff like that. But also a lot of it's opportunity and players that are undrafted and laid around gems, as it were, also indicate that there is inefficiency. There are good players that fall in a draft, especially since players at all positions continue to have, in the vast majority, decent to a above average, no matter how you want to define average production, while in college. And so there are inefficiencies in that multi-million dollar industrial complex, I think Matt Kelly used to call it, um, that has all those talented people scouting players. Um, That's all true. But it also means that in that time, around 26 to 30 percent, depending on which position you're looking at, um, or if you want to look at the position, all fantasy-relevant positions that are a whole, and fantasy-relevant seasons have happened between 2009 and 2020, and it remains consistent no matter what date range you look at, have happened from players that are drafted fourth round to undrafted. Now, I tend to group all those players into one big group because after the third round, we know hit rates drop substantially, and for example, looking across all positions, the hit rates from first-round players is around uh, 38% of seasons, second round it's around 19% of seasons, and third third round it's 15% of seasons, and it drops straight down as soon as you get to the fourth round to 5% of seasons, and 3.9% of seasons in the fifth round, 2.8% of seasons in the sixth round, and then a slight spike up, mostly just because of sample size, to 58 in the seventh round, and 9.3 come from undrafted free agent. Does that mean you're more likely to break out as an undrafted free agent than a fourth round pick? No, we're dealing with a lot of sample size issues here. But I do think a lot of players that get drafted round four to seven are probably being drafted for purposes other than we're largely interested in fantasy, such as kick returns, special teams, project players for other positions, um, and various other elements that, you know, fantasy and we don't care about, but NFL teams do. And so a a team might be more likely slightly to draft a player that they consider a potential project or a potential hit that they don't want to spend actual draft capital on as an undrafted free agent because they're probably more likely to take on a player they want to be a actual receiver or running back or tight end that we care about in fantasy at least as an undrafted free agent rather than spend fourth to seven round draft capital on where they're getting other types of players not just IDP players or offensive line players but also just special teams players and that might be more what they're trying to do in those rounds more often again this is all based on the average and the average lies to us but that's fairly well established I've got 
largely no issue with that other than we spend so long talking about talking about how much of the production comes from those first three rounds especially the first round and how draft capital matters that we forget that just those hit rates themselves don't have causation it's not like you get drafted in the third round and therefore you're essentially you become a better player you either are or you aren't all draft opportunity can do all draft capital can do outside of that is provide you an easier or better path towards gaining opportunity which I admit it's going to be a large part of that signal, and it matters ultimately. It's the most important key variable when you just want to look at who is more likely to break out or not. Again, but why do we never mention, or why do we underrate the potential of seeking out that 26 to 30, 33% at, at running back of players that score fantasy-relevant positions. And remember, those aren't hit rates. You can look up the hit rates in my tables. These are a percentage of seasons that are fantasy-relevant. So those aren't hit rates. That's just, you know, there are 24 players that finish in the top 24 wide receiver and running back, so 48 total. And that's percentage of those seasons since 2009 have come from different rounds. So it's slightly different than hit rate, but it's giving us an idea of what percentage of players that were actually startable in standard fantasy leagues, well, PPR standard fantasy leagues, were in the first three rounds versus drafted outside of that. And yeah, 26 to 33% looking across all positions come from oftentimes similar players. So like Adam Thielen makes up more than one example of that 25% of wide receiver seasons that have been fantasy relevant since 2009 because he's had multiple seasons, right? Just to clarify what the percentages I'm reading off here, I don't want us to trend into a hit rate category uh, kind of fallacy here. But yeah, since 2009, 26% on average overall across all positions of seasons that you needed to compete in your league come from players that were drafted outside the third round. Now, that's it. I'm not diminishing how small a percentage that is, but you have no interest in around 30%? We, we should have no interest in around 30% of all fantasy-relevant seasons? That seems extreme, because if everyone's completely uninterested or completely downplaying the potential for fourth-round to undrafted free agents to actually perform fantasy-relevant seasons, now that means they're really, really cheap, and they are. And so the risk of that poor hit rate or that poor percentage of seasons that are actually fantasy relevant from any given player drafted outside the first three rounds is kind of adjusted for what it takes to draft them or put them on your team in fact often they're waiver wire picks and as someone angrily typed at me recently they happen later. I mean, if you have to hold them on their roster for three years, what's the point? Yeah, and that's actually kind of a problem with my undrafted or fourth round to undrafted love in that you never know quite when they're going to hit. Sometimes you're just wait burning a roster spot and then you find out by year four, no, it's not going to happen. And, you know, you just left with Zach Pascal or Tylen Wallace sitting on, on your roster and that was the end of that. But again, it's somewhat adjusted for the fact that they cost a lot less to get on your roster, and we can adjust as we see them earn or not op- earn opportunity in the NFL. And in fact, another element to this is that the hit rates uh, in terms of career year, which we've talked about in the podcast before, and I got Twitter threads, and we do it every damn year, but 
players drafted fourth round to undrafted free agent tend towards the end of the breakout career arc. So the further we get away from the draft, the more likely the last few drops of fantasy relevance from that draft class are coming from players drafted fourth round to being an undrafted free agent. They get increasingly more likely to be any remaining fantasy relevance that's still left there instead of continuing to bet on second round players because they have more draft capital. Actually, technically, it makes more sense to get increasingly more likely to roster players with less draft capital. Now, is that true? Broadly, yes. Is that true for an individual player? No, because when you have an individual example, you just for individual context, and put a name on it, Adam Thielen was undrafted in 2014. His career year or first career year is often listed as 2015 or 2016, depending on what site you're looking at. But he left college and was around in the NFL in Minnesota in 2014. People forget, or I sometimes forget, he's part of that 2014 wide receiver class, technically. But he didn't do much until 2016. He also didn't start more than two games till 2016, and that's when he had his first fantasy-relevant season and really got on most people's maps. And so one thing you can take from that is it's pointless being interested in those players because, I mean, look how long with very little NFL activity, you know, very few targets, very few games. I think he had two games over 30 yards the year before 2016. They are to do anything. And so, you know, just don't worry about it. Wait till you see something, if anything. But I mean, again, if everyone and most content still outright dismisses them, well, tough. You can't get Adam Thielen when he does something because he's on my roster. I mean, that's that's fairly valuable for no cost, increasingly more likely to be what's left from a draft class to be of fantasy relevance because of that uh, later cr- tending towards the back end of the career arc hit rate. And, yeah, I think they... I think if no one's paying attention to where 30% of fantasy relevant seasons come from, it's okay to maybe be interested in it. So every time an Armand Ra St. Brown happens, the same content is rolled out. Don't think your fourth round NFL draft pick players are going to do this because it happens very rarely. That is very true. But that doesn't mean we should be completely uninterested in people that players that don't get any draft capital because it's actually not rare. It's actually common. In fact, since 2008, every draft class has had, on average, it's two wide receivers that were drafted in the fourth round to undrafted free agent who've had at least one top 24 season. Now, some of those are Tyra Williams, who literally hit the top 24 once, got me really excited along with Cameron Meredith, and then never really did much again um, after that. Very few of them are Adam Thielens, who go on to have top 12 seasons and be epically fantasy relevant, or Antonio Brown, who was drafted famously in the sixth round. But then again, very few first round wide receivers are Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson. In fact, more are DJ Moore, perpetually productive and yet ultimately not providing you that top five upside that we so craved. Or the Calvin Ridley, where they display the potential for it, and you know, the individual unfortunates that can happen in just life lead us ultimately to not see the full potential, at least to this point, that we really thought he could put out by the time we got to 2022, or by the time we're getting to 2022. So 
I think it's sophistry to say it's uncommon when it literally happens at least twice in most draft classes. Now, that average of at least two times a year, by the way, includes two years where three players, uh, actually it's three years, and three players who drafted fourth round to undrafted free agents happen to have at least one top 24 season, and two years where zero players had top 24 seasons. So it is possible that literally no player from the fourth round to undrafted free agent ever creates a top 24 season, but I want to talk about that a little later. I just wanted to highlight that the average is, you know, kind of, again, the average lies. So it's kind of hiding the fact that it can just literally not happen for fourth round to undrafted free agents. But on average, it happens a lot. And in fact, we should expect most draft classes are going to produce at least one and more commonly at least two players with top to have at least one top 24 season at the wide receiver position, at least inside the top 24. Again, some of those are replaceable, ultimately weren't worth it, like Terrell Williams, but there was draft and value spikes, to be fair, to be had in the making, and very few are to Adam Thielen. Um, again, very few wide receivers are Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson draft in the first round, or Jalen Waddle, or, you know, A.J. Brown, Diggs players, those highest hits are also felt relatively rare. And I think it's relatively rare, um, relatively rare, rarer to find an Adam Thielen. But again, that's somewhat adjusted for by the cost of investment, to use a bad term for it, in that literally everyone's telling the majority of the fantasy community to just not worry about it. But 30% on average of fantasy relevant seasons are coming from there. And it's actually a very common thing. It's not rare. It happens every year, pretty much, apart from those two years where it literally never happens, which we're getting to soon. And so, yeah, that's the undrafted free agent hashtag that Moore was posting and no one else has ever picked up because literally no one else cares, which continues to make this a worthwhile point. If no one else cares, it actually continues to be relevant. <laughs> um, so <clears throat> to run you through some of those players, because it sounds like fiction, and again, very often these top 24 seasons are not top 36 flex seasons and therefore have relatively little value, but they do happen. I point out in 2021, Amon Ross St. Brown wasn't the only player drafted outside the first three, uh, first three rounds to have a top 24 season. And Amon Ross St. Brown doing it in his first year is actually fairly rare and probably means we should maybe have more hope for him than most, even given the individual context, because again, later round players tend to have adjust towards the back end of that career arc, but still. Hunter Renfro also hit the top 12 last year. He was drafted in the fifth round in 2019. So he's one of the 2019 draft class hits, but it happened in 2022. So in fact, last year kind of perfectly demonstrates how it's worth and in fact more um, more advantageous to be content, more interested in later round players the further we get away from that draft class because not all of them are Adam Thielen's, but occasionally you can hit on a Hunter Renfro for cheap, which is fairly significant since most cost you a lot more. It cost you a lot. They're incredibly valued dynasty assets. Anyway, so 2021, we've got Amon Ra St. Brown. I don't have any from 2020 as yet, but we do have Hunter Renfro from 2019. Robbie Anderson from 2016, Stefan Diggs, and 
technically Darren Waller, but whatever. And Adam Humphreys, again, displaying the disparity in hits here between Stefan Diggs and Adam Humphreys. But all three of those players came from the 2015 draft class and were drafted outside the first three rounds. Adam Humphreys as an undrafted free agent, Darren Waller as a sixth round pick, and Stefan Diggs as a fifth round pick. Going back further, the year before, 2014 produces two, three if we count Adam Thielen, Alan Hearns, and also Trey Burton. Yeah, I know he also converted to tight end at some point. All three were undrafted and had fantasy-relevant seasons and dynasty-relevant value bumps, which again, aren't Stefan Diggs, but they're not irrelevant and less people are actually interested in finding them. In fact, more people are actively interested in betting on that 70% because it makes cheap, easy content you don't have to put any thought into, and you can just post the hit rates and say, it's obvious, bro, look at the hit rates, without actually providing any understanding of what that actually means. 2012, so I jump, notice there's another missing year there. You've got Rashad Matthews, who I was, again, really excited about as a seventh-round pick, and ultimately didn't work out, but he produced at least one top 24 season, and there were value spikes, and there was fantasy production to be had. Before that, oh, sorry, in the same year as 2012, you also had Marvin Jones, one of the better hits, but definitely not Stefan Diggs' level. And Niles Paul also came from um, that season as well. Again, another cheat uh, in that he switched to tight end at some point. But, and there seems to be somewhat of a trend there, just looking back through the hits, where they have somewhat significance by switching positions, and that's nice to know as well. Uh, 2011, Doug Baldwin. 2010, Mike Williams and Antonio Brown. 2009, I'm just going to skip through them here. Brian Hartline, yeah, I know, right? Julian Edelman and Steve Johnson was drafted in 2008. Sorry, I skipped a year again. Uh, Devon Bess, no idea who that guy is, but he produced a top 24 season. This was before I was playing. So that's everyone since 2008. And you'll notice, maybe you didn't, but there are two years without any players that have currently hit. Um, I'm not counting 2020 yet because we have yet to see them really hit their third year. But 2017 and 2018 have yet to produce a fantasy wide receiver drafted, fourth round to undrafted, that have finished in the top 24. 2017 has an interesting prospect, in my opinion. One of them is Darren Waller. Uh, not sorry, not Darren Waller. One of them is Dee Westbrook, who's currently a uh, free agent. He's finished as a top 36 with the Green Bay Packers before, but that's not... Ultimately, he's a free agent. I don't think he's going to be someone to bump up the 2017 class. The other one is Kendrick Bourne, currently rostered by the New England Patriots, who don't have much and has been a longtime truther of Kendrick Bourne. So consider my bias. But he's produced a top 36 season. There's not much else on that receiving core. And I like him. I think he's performed at an above above replacement level in terms of NFL viability as a fan, as, as a wide receiver. And he's on a team that constantly surprises us with later round players producing. I don't mind rostering currently for a third round rookie pick. And that's actually a high value for someone drafted in 2017 outside the first three rounds who currently hasn't produced a top 24 season. Again, the risk of him is kind of adjusted for by the lack of interest in the, from the majority of content creators and also fantasy players. 2018, I got no one. You can look them up in the database. I don't personally see anyone I like from the 2018 class that I would still consider rostering. But while we're talking about a lack of value, I can't, you know, 
ultimately blame anyone else for trying to have their fun too. Antonio Callaway uh, was a one-time favorite. I think he's definitely out the league at this point. Alan Lazard, Kiko Kute. I don't think there are any truthers left on those guys, but there was... What was his name? Um... Russell Gage, currently still some people's favorite sleeper on the back end of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers depth chart. It's not a bet I'm making, but technically he's someone from the 2018 class drafted outside the fourth round who could finally produce um, a top 24 season from that draft class. For the cost of investment, if you see something personal to like, I can't blame you since I like Kendrick Bourne. Both are very unlikely to hit. Neither should cost you at least it shouldn't be an effort to get them for a third round pick. And if it is, you can just not do it. Because we're talking fairly unlikely and we're aiming at 30% of fantasy relevant seasons since 2009. And so we can be a little bit more laissez-faire about it. He's someone you can add in a trade if you've already got one on the table. Or someone you can just send a third round pick to because you want to make a casual trade in a league. Which is how I've actually ended up with a lot of them in many different leagues. So, do Amon Ra St. Browns happen every year? No, especially not in their rookie season. You should have very little expectation that anyone drafted outside the third round has any kind of fantasy relevance next year, or even does anything. The majority of them are more Adam Thielen than they are Amon Ra St. Brown, especially in their first couple years. But Hunter Renfro was continually active on the depth chart, getting targets, and showed some spikes of fantasy production to the point that we've had up and down value trends all the way until 2022 when his value had finally dropped off again. And then he produces a top 12 season, which is a pretty big hit. So ultimately what I'm telling you is while the the very basic, your basic kind of information put out about how unlikely those later round gems are to happen is incredibly true. But I think it's doing a disservice <laughs> to say that's where the story ends. I think that's where the story starts. What about this 30% of fantasy relevant seasons across all positions, particularly high at running back, and you know we're always chasing running back, and 33% of fantasy relevant seasons at the running back position since 2009. That's the highest percentage across all position groups at running back inside the top 24. have come from players drafted in the fourth round all the way to undrafted. They're in fact the most common to produce fantasy relevant seasons. And this isn't Austin Eckler's of the world. These are the top 24 running backs. And I think that's particularly relevant since we increasingly in have over the last few years, I'm not sure what the trend's going to be in 2022, but we've increased the ADP of running backs to be more increasingly more competitive with wide receivers to the point we were drafting 24 running backs as the top 12 wide receivers have gone off the board last year, and yet top 24 running backs are like the fourth most valuable positional group if in terms of relevance or its effect on whether you can win or lose in a dynasty league. But the thing was, is we're not getting more accurate at drafting running backs. In fact, we've we remain consistently inaccurate at guessing which top 24 running backs either have top 12 upside 
or we'll finish in the top, the top 24. Essentially, we're drafting players we think have top 12 upside in Dynasty earlier and earlier, still missing them at the same rate, but we're paying increasing amounts to try to make the bet, whereas top 24 running backs are actually increasingly drafted outside the top 24 or drafted from nowhere, and the largest percentage of any positional group to finish inside just the top 24. Again, fairly irrelevant group, but you do need oftentimes running back two points and increasingly they're a part of it or they're a peak as a positional group to come from players drafted in the fourth round to undrafted free agents and the majority of the noise and content such as it is called um, around draft classes is just don't worry about them they don't happen very often no, they don't happen as often, but they happen consistently. They're, in fact, a common occurrence, not an uncommon or a rare occurrence. It's something we should expect. They're just harder to find, and they happen at a lower rate, and so they're harder to search for. But given everything I just said, that means their cost, the risk of actually sending a trade offer on them or adding them to the back of your depth chart in the fourth round or even the third round is adjusted for that uh, lower hit rate um, that we get from draft capital. So, yeah, that's a rant done probably poorly or less well than I've done it before. Um, but I'm using some... Actually, I think that's a better overall way of looking at a very common argument I've had before. They are less common, but they are not irrelevant. They are less common than first to th round three breakouts, but they are not rare. They're, in fact, a commonality. Have we had seasons and still got two seasons on the books that are just about to tick over into being more seasons that haven't done it, where a player drafted fourth round to undrafted free agent has never had a top 24 season? Again, a very low, not overly fantasy significant finish outside of the fact top 24 wide receivers are often flexible and win the flex or are startable over top 24 running backs and so they do have more viability than those top 24 running backs we're increasingly drafting at a higher ADP no they're less common but they're actually fairly a common occurrence per draft class so in this year's draft we have a plethora of wide receivers who are probably going to be drafted in the first three rounds more often than I think the majority of people currently think. Just because it's it's a fairly deep barrel, there are a lot of fish in there. I think NFL teams um, are going to be taking more shots than we might necessarily expect in the first three rounds. But I'm definitely not a draft nick. That's just kind of a guess. Um, some of them are going to drop to the fourth round, the fifth round, drafted to special teams players in the sixth or seventh round, and maybe some of your favorites are going to drop to undrafted free agents. Many of mine have before, like Kelvin Harmon, who literally go on to do absolutely nothing. But that doesn't mean they're dismissible as they are rare or don't commonly happen. They actually fairly commonly happen. We're just less good at identifying them. It is definitely worth investing some time and not losing all hope for a wide receiver you might have some interested in pre-draft who falls outside the first three rounds. Their cost more than gets adjusted for in dynasty leagues, most of the time at least, um, by uh, their draft fall, 
if we're going to put it in those terms. Sometimes it doesn't, actually. I've seen us be so high on a player that we suggested, like Brian Edwards last year, a couple years ago, sorry. I was really high on him as a prospect. I think most people were. He fell in the draft, went to a slightly confusing landing spot, but I still got questions about drafting him over other players that were drafted significantly higher than him in the draft and actually had pretty good production profiles. And so you were kind of, I was kind of self-hating putting out undrafted free agent fires in the dms you don't have to draft and you shouldn't because the risk is greater they are a lower hit rate group but they are not uncommon so we shouldn't expect it but that we should definitely keep an eye on players that go later in the draft and also increasingly become interested in them the further we get away with the draft so you actually have somewhat of a break here if they fall outside the first three rounds you can maybe wait to add them in your rookie draft if nothing else or maybe see if you can get them off the waiver wire after year one if you just personally think they can work their way into a role wherever they land or they're more likely to do it than other players from this draft class and they fall now some like Armand Racine Brown do happen relatively early or we see some signs of it but I think the common pattern is an Adam Thielen or Armand Ross St. Brown. I think most are more like Hunter Renfro. They're more like Kendrick Bourne. That's kind of why I like him right now. They continually show that they can earn targets, maintain a role despite successive draft classes coming in behind them, many of them uh, providing higher draft capital to other wide receivers, just continually to maintain a high-value role. Whereas this is something Zach Pascal's gone, but it's kind of looking like he's even, he's even an outside the undrafted free agent breakout arc of fitting in the top 24 especially since Michael Pittman's happened now but whatever Kendrick Bourne there's still some hope and again all these guys are so cheap I think the further we get away from the draft draft class year itself I think it's increasingly interesting to be interested in considering the majority of opinion is they are uncommon they're not uncommon they're actually very very common they happen most years they're just harder to hit on. But luckily, there's fewer people looking and there's less cost of investment. So, yeah, that's the old trope. That's the argument. It's my favorite one, to be honest. I uh, hope you enjoyed it again, and I'll talk to you again next week. Thanks very much. Yeah. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so. Jake on the table and Nate on the place, no. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Picking my nose, don't really know if I like that. Picking their brains, got different lanes, but I like that. Picking these guys, all of these times, all of these nice stats. Picking apart, the film is an art, always a fight. Back and forth, there is no order, they disorder more and more. Because the players ain't no older, they some hoarders or some mortars. Dropping bombs without no borders, they got that eye, eye like mortar. Peak grinding numbers like molars, I don't know anymore, I am at a crossroads. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road. Go, clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, play unfold. So, Jake on the table and Nate on the plays. No, Pete enumerates the plays are analytical. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road. Go, clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, play unfold. So, Jake on the table and Nate on the plays. No, Pete enumerates the plays are analytical.